And it came to pass also on another Sabbath, verse 6 of Luke 6, that he entered into the synagogue and taught, and there was a man whose right hand was withered. Scribes and Pharisees watched him, whether he would heal on the Sabbath day, that they might find an accusation against him. But he knew their thoughts and said to the man which had the withered hand, Rise up and stand forth in the midst. And he arose and stood forth. Then said Jesus unto them, I will ask you one thing. Is it lawful on the Sabbath days to do good or do evil, to save life or destroy it? And looking round about upon them all, he said unto the man, Stretch forth thy hand. And he did so, and his hand was restored whole as the other. I want to preach a little while on this thought, the secret to his strength. The secret to his strength. Would you lift your hands and let's ask the Lord to help us tonight, Father, over the next few moments. We need your spirit to minister to our hearts. God, I believe someone can leave strengthened by the power of the Holy Ghost and by your word. Give us ears to hear what the Spirit would say and hearts to respond in obedience. In Jesus' name, can we clap our hands unto the Lord. Amen. Lord bless you. You may be seated. The secret to his strength. There's no debate tonight regarding the power of God. I believe that we could all testify to the fact that God can do what his word declares. It was Jesus in Matthew 28 and 18 that said, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. That power is greater than any force the world has ever known. However, I want you to know that there is a secret to experiencing and unlocking that power. The secret is that there must first be a place that needs it. There's got to be an avenue for the anointing to walk down. The Bible says in 2 Chronicles 16 and 9, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. With that in mind, if God would have created beings equal to him, that would mean that there would be no place for his power to be released. But when man sinned, weakness entered the picture. And that weakness created opportunity for the power of God to operate. You may not realize it tonight, but your struggle is simply an opportunity for his strength. That area in your life that you are struggling with, that is an invitation for God to show up and to show out. We read tonight in our text that Jesus walked into the synagogue understanding that he was surrounded by doubt. He was surrounded by legalism. He was surrounded by critics. But God specialized in turning people's world upside down. He knew it would be an opportunity for his power. 
He knew that there would be a situation that greatly needed the touch of God, yet he would not violate man's free will. Obviously, he walked up to this man sitting there, and he said, stretch forth thine hand. He never declared and told him which hand, which tells me he probably had a good hand and he had a withered hand. But he left the choice to the man. You can stretch forth your good hand and just give me a handshake. And you can stay just like you are. Or you can expose your weakness. You can show me your flaw. You can get real with me and understand that I've got power greater than what you have ever experienced. But I'm going to leave it up to you, sir. Do you want to stay like you are? Or do you want to deal with your flaws? And the Bible said when he stretched forth that withered hand, when he exposed his area of weakness, that God healed him. Friend, the secret to God's strength is you got to get real about your weakness. You got to get real about your flaws. You got to be willing to say, hey, there's some areas in my life that I need some help. And when you get honest with God, you'll experience his strength. Every one of us has weaknesses. Physical weaknesses. Emotional, relational, financial, intellectual. These are things your body can't do. Things your mind can't fix. The real issue is not do I have weaknesses, but what am I going to do with my weaknesses? What we normally do is deny them or we'll defend them. Excuse them, resent them. Most of all, we'll, we'll hide them because we don't want anyone to see our weaknesses. And then the Lord comes along and he says, you know what I want to do with your weaknesses? I want to use your weaknesses. That doesn't make sense to us. We think God only wants to use our strengths. Bible says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. My friend, don't think for a moment that God doesn't know what he's doing. He's smarter than we are. The way you think he should work is often the exact opposite of the way he really works in your life. He says, I don't want to work around your weaknesses. I don't want to work in spite of your weaknesses, but I want to work through your weaknesses. That very area of your life that you think is of no value, God says, that's the area that I'm going to show up the most in because I'm going to get the most glory when I work through your weaknesses. 1 Corinthians 1.27, one translation says, God purposely chose what the world considers nonsense in order to shame the wise. And he chose what the world considers weak 
in order to shame the powerful. God purposely works through weak people. Why? Because it shows his power. God's not impressed with strength. We are. God's impressed with weakness because it's an opportunity to show what he can do. Bible says not by might nor by power but by my spirit saith the Lord of hosts. That's good news tonight because most of us are not extraordinary people. We don't have bodies like models. We don't have extraordinary intellect. We're, we're normal, ordinary, average people. And yet God looks at us and says, that's all right because I don't choose to work through natural strength. I choose to work through natural weakness so that my power can be revealed in your life. When we talk about weakness, we're not talking about sin or, or character flaws that you can change, such as impatience or greed or, or laziness. I'm not talking about that. But weakness is any limitation in my life that I inherited or that I cannot change. There are all kinds of limitations like that. Physical defects that you were born with, external circumstances that you can't control, unexpected financial setbacks that you did not ask for, relationship pressures within your family. Maybe it's emotional tendencies that you are predisposed toward or some talents completely beyond your ability. Nonetheless, there's always something in everybody's life. And it is our Habit to pray against a weakness because we see it as we are inferior and that God can't use us because of our flaws and our weaknesses. I remember this precious lady uh, I'd heard of her for years in another church, another state, and uh, she was not born blind, but through life she became blind. I honestly don't know if she's even living. Uh, at the time, she was way up in years. And I'd heard that she could read your mail. And I thought, well, I guess I'm finally going to get to find out. So at nine, I preached at that church. And I went, just wanted to shake her hand. And when I got down to her, I shook her hand. Tiny little body and closed eyes. And she went to praying. She went to speaking in tongues. And then she went to reading my mail. Never met her. Well, dead on. So I began to talk to a relative of hers. And the story goes that as she was going blind, as she began to pray that God would heal her eyes. And she prayed and she fasted and she prayed. And an evangelist God spoke to and told her, said, in order for God to use you like he wants to use you, you have to remain blind. He won't heal you. And when she realized that with every gifting, there's a cost. 
She accepted the fact, I'll keep my weakness because it's an opportunity for him to use me as an avenue for his strength. See, you, you, can't, you can't expect God to, to show you his power if there's not an area in your life that, that is weak. As long as you can do it on your own, then you're handicapping yourself from seeing the power of God. But when you realize, hey, I'm going I'm, I'm to stop praying against this and say, God, just use me how you want to use me. 2 Corinthians 4 and 7, one translation says, we have this treasure from God, but we are like clay jars that hold the treasure. This shows that the great power is from God, not from us. The thing about clay pots is that they break easily. But if you remember in the book of Jeremiah, the Bible says that that clay, that pottery, was marred in the hands of the potter. I'm not talking about clay that used to serve God and went out and lived in the world and broke its life. I'm talking about people that's lived for God. They were in the hands of the potter. And they still got marred. They still got messed up. They still had a flaw. They still had a crack or a weakness. But the Bible did not say he threw it in the field. The Bible says he made it again. Hey, friend, the beauty of living for God is that the cracks will come and the defects will be there. But the potter loves you enough. He says, I'm not going to discard you. I'm just going to keep on working on you. I'm just going to keep shaping you. I'm just going to keep making you what I see you to be. Oh, clap your hands and give him praise. How, what, what do I do with my weaknesses? People have asked. The first thing is you got to admit your weakness. The starting point is to stop pretending that you've got it all together. You ever met anybody that knew everything? Now they couldn't fix their life, but they fixed everybody else's life. Kind of like those parents that could tell you how to raise everybody else's kids. They just couldn't raise their own. You got to get to the point where you say, okay, I'll take the fig leaves off. Where do we get that? We get that all the way back from the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve put fig leaves. Didn't think that through enough because they'd have dried up in a few days. They'd have withered. And then they would have been exposed again. We live behind fig leaves and false identities. Because we think if we can fool people, we have fooled God. As long as people think we're okay. As long as people don't see us with all of our flaws and our weaknesses. But friend, if you want to see the power of God, the first thing you got to do is say, hey, I got a problem. I'm not talking about sin. I'm talking about a weakness in your life, an area that you need God. Stop hoping that your weaknesses will go away if you just ignore them. You gotta stop hoping. If I just ignore them, everything's gonna be fine. We've all tried to ignore them. They don't go away. 
Insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. Just admit, hey, I need the help of God in this area of my life. I remember years ago, and I'm being transparent here, the one area in my life that God was actually two that are linked together. It's anger in my tongue. Because that tongue, my tongue, if unbridled, can do a lot, a lot of damage. And just like anybody's, but that's my area. And I remember years ago, I hadn't been married long, lived in a little tiny duplex, about 900 square feet. And my mother-in-law had bought, bought me a loaf of Mrs. Baird's bread, thin sliced, that kind that when you bite it, it sticks to the roof of your mouth. It's just so soft. We couldn't get it where I live. She, she brought that from Texas. And I love that loaf of bread. So I would eat a little bit at a time. Fresh loaf. And we had got into a little squabble over something. Can't even remember what it is. Just married. And she took that loaf of bread and threw it on the ground. She's not here, but she's at camp. Y'all just know that God forgave us for everything. Because y'all got some stories too. And I said, my bread, my bread. Burn the whole thing down, but not the bread. And she took that loaf and she opened it and slung all my bread out. Now, I could have made something out of it if it had stayed in the wrapper, but now it's all over the floor. And so she picked it all up and threw it in the trash. And I was not one to be outdone. And so on the heels of that, I picked that trash can up over my head and I just, wham, and trash went everywhere. And I remember standing there going, I got to pick all this up right now. You know what? Last time that ever happened. Something clicked in me and said, you know what? The Holy Ghost can help you not act like this. Never had that problem again. Because I realized I had a hair trigger. And I realized that it's a, that hair trigger is attached to my tongue. And when I tell you I can slice you so fast you won't even realize what happened, if the Holy Ghost vacates the premises, it'll happen. God has to help me. There are times I literally just stare at somebody and they think I'm listening, and I'm going, God, you got to help me right now. you got to help me. I feel dirt coming off the grave right now. Old man's coming out. I had to admit, hey, you, this is your area of weakness. And you got those areas of weakness too. It may not be over a loaf of bread, but I'm telling you married couples, you had your own throwdowns at times. First thing you got to do is acknowledge this is an area in my life that if I don't, if the Lord doesn't help me right now, it's only going to get worse. 
first thing key to losing weight is realizing I got to lose weight. Usually when the clothes don't fit, you either buy new clothes or figure out I got to lose weight. It's easier to buy new clothes. Sometimes God has to bring something into our lives to get us to admit our weakness, and that's called a crisis. A crisis is a weakness identifier. It's when the light bulb goes off and you go, hey, I really need God in this area of my life. I really need God in, the, in my family or on my job or wherever it is in your life. But you know what? You don't have to wait for a crisis. You can make up your mind now and say, hey, I see the area. You don't have to wait for God to step in and show you the area. You can get honest. So first is you got to admit. Second, you got to be grateful for that area of weakness in your life. Paul said, for this thing, I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. He said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Why in the world would anybody be grateful over their weakness? Well, it guarantees God's help first. God says, I'm with you. That's all you need. My power shows up best in weak people. And Paul says, for when I am weak, then I am strong. In other words, the less I have, the more I depend on him. You know what I found out about people who get a lot of miracles? They don't have a lot of stuff. People with plenty of money will rarely be able to testify that God provided financially. Because they can do it. But their weakness may be another area of their life that they need God's help in. Everybody's got a weakness. Everybody's got an area. So just because somebody doesn't isn't testifying to financial provision doesn't mean they can't say God didn't help in other areas of it. Everybody's got a weakness. If you've prayed repeatedly for God to take something away and he hasn't, there's probably a reason. I remember praying for someone one time over and over and over for a healing in their body. And I finally I said, Lord, why won't you heal them? And I'm not talking about everybody. I'm talking about this particular scenario. And the Lord impressed me. He said, because if I do, they'll stop talking to me. That was the link that kept them connected to God. And God looks at it and says, I'd rather you have problems in the physical and you be saved. Because you're going to get a new body. But you can have a body that's fine down here and be lost. Paul says, I'm, I'm thankful that there's this weakness in my life. Because that weakness is the avenue whereby I see the power of God. Let me tell you another reason we ought to be thankful for that weakness. It prevents arrogance from forming. 
2 Corinthians 12 and 7, to keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassingly great revelations there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan sent to torment me. If we're not careful, we'll start getting arrogant if we can do everything. We can fix all of our problems and, and we have all of our ducks in a row, then pride will start coming. I remember hearing a story of a preacher at General Conference years ago. Many people told me the story, so there was had to be an element of truth in it. There was a guy that was asked to preach General Conference, and he was told everybody about it. He was so proud he was preaching General Conference. And Holy Ghost was moving. He walked up there, and from the, from, from the moment he got up there, it was deader than a hammer. Dead. Nothing happened. He was so defeated, he near about crawled back to the, to the chair and fell on the chair and began to weep. Old Brother Kilgore leaned down to him and said, Son, if you'd have walked to the pulpit like you walked from it, you could have walked from the pulpit like you walked to it. The difference was pride and arrogance. On your best day, you still need the Lord. When you've got everything going like you want it, you still need the Lord. Don't ever think for a moment that there's a day that we don't need the help and the strength and the touch of God. Amen. Also, it causes me to value others. One of the dangers of strength is that it breeds an independent spirit. If I don't have any weaknesses in my life, I tend to think that I don't need anybody. But God made us to value each other. One of the biggest lies in our society is that significance is the same thing as prominence. And we tend to think that if someone's well known, then what, what they have to say is very important. But there's well known idiots. Okay? You could be a celebrity and be living a total trivial life. Just because they grace a TV or a screen doesn't mean they got anything working up here. Your nose may be a very prominent feature of your body, but it's not significant. Because you could lose your nose and live the rest of your life without it. It's prominent, but it's not significant. On the other hand, there are some organs that's not seen at all, but you can't live without them. 1 Corinthians 12, 22, and some of the parts that seem weakest and least important are really the most important. I, I promise you this. I don't know everything that makes up the inside of a body, but there may be something that big in there, and you take it out, and you could die. It's not prominent, but it's significant. You make a strong rope, not by making one solid cord, but by putting a lot of strands together. That's the value of unity and the value of a church family. i tell you the fourth reason why you should be thankful for your weakness is it gives you a ministry. God puts you on earth not just to live for yourself, 
but to help other people. Your greatest ministry will flow out of your greatest weakness. We don't relate to people in our strengths. We relate to people in our weakness. Think about it. You talk to somebody on the job. Let's just say you went through uh, you you went through something horrible. You went through a bankruptcy. Let's just make something up. You went through a bankruptcy, devastated your world. Ten years later, you're working with somebody, and they say, "Hey, can I talk to you?" And they open up and begin to talk about that. You know what? You'll know right where they're at. You can relate to them in in their weakness. Needing a job. Hey, I was at a job once. You relate to them. Lost a family member. Hey, I lost mine last year. You relate to them. But if they come and say, hey, I just won the lottery. $35 million. You can't relate to them. We don't relate to people through our strengths. We relate to people through the lows of life. And, 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 and you better believe after Pentecost, when people were struggling with whether or not they can be forgiven, Peter would speak up and say, hey, let me tell you something. I denied the Lord three times. To his face, he saw me deny him by fire. And yet he still forgave me. He used me to preach on the day of Pentecost. Because God is not pushing us aside because we have struggles. But he wants us to help other people through the struggle. When you have walked a mile in someone else's shoes, you are uniquely equipped to help them through their problem. Nothing you've been through will be wasted. Nothing. Whenever you go out and share your strength, that creates competition. But when you share your weakness, that creates community. Vulnerability is the key to intimacy and fellowship. And God always uses weak people because he turns their weakness into strength. Stand with me. Moses, anger was his greatest weakness. He killed an Egyptian broke the tables of stone, smote the rock twice, and if his wife would have thrown his bread on the ground, he'd have done the same thing I did. Yet only he and Jesus were called meek in the Bible. In fact, said he was the meekest man on the earth, second to Jesus, of course. But his problem was anger. And God said, I'm going to use your weakness and I'm going to turn it around. Musicians, you could come. David lusted after another man's wife, committed adultery with her, and then had the man killed. But later he was called a man after God's own heart when God turned that weakness into strength. Abraham was called the father of faith, but his greatest weakness was his lack of faith. One time he and his wife pretended to be his sister because he doubted that God could protect him from the enemy who wanted her. Gideon, hiding behind a wine press, yet he was called a mighty man of valor. 
God still used him. Peter called a rock, but he was anything but stable. He was impulsive and he was violent, even denying the Lord, but on the day of Pentecost, his weakness became strength. Jacob was a deceiver, a manipulator, and a schemer. He made one mess after another. And he ran from it. He ran his entire life until the night that he wrestled with God and said, I'm not letting go until you bless me. And God said, I'm going to bless you. He touched Jacob at his greatest point of strength, which was the thigh that helped him run all of his life. Forever after that, he would walk with a limp. Why? So he couldn't run from his weaknesses anymore. And he would have a constant reminder to depend upon God. God wants to take the weaknesses in your life and use him as opportunities for his strength. But here's what's got to happen. When we come to this altar, we can stretch forth our good hand and we can walk out of here the same way. Or we can stretch forth our withered hand and we can say, God, here's my weaknesses. Here's the areas in my life I'm struggling. I need you. Hebrews 11, and what more shall I say? I don't have the time to tell about Gideon and Barak and Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets whose weakness was turned to strength. Nowhere in the Bible do you find God chasing after people who could do it all. But he went after people that couldn't do anything because he gets the glory. Amen. I invite you tonight to this altar. I'm asking you to come with honesty and sincerity and say, God, I need you. I need you. I need you more than I've ever needed you before. Here's my weaknesses, Lord. Here's what I'm struggling with, Lord. And I want you to use me. God, show me that strength. Let the Holy Ghost work in my life as only you can. Come on, let God help you. Don't walk out of here beating yourself up over your weaknesses, but you got to realize that God is poised and ready to help you tonight. In the name of Jesus. Hello,